is Wyman and Bob. On Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. I love this time of year, Ryan. I love spring training. I cannot wait for this season to start. One of the main reasons I'm excited about this team is their pitching was ridiculous yeah. last year. And this guy was such a massive part of it. What a what a huge first season for him. He is with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. We are talking to George Kirby. George, how are you, man? Good, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, it's good to talk to you. And I, I'm curious now that you've had a chance to, you know, step away and reflect on last season. I, I look at it as a fan, as a member of the media, and just I'm blown away by what you were able to do, especially your command. But I, as you look at it, is it surprising at all? Is it better than you thought? What did Give me a sense of what you expected versus what it was. Yeah, uh, I mean, first game coming in, just kind of – play my game the way I've been doing in the minors, you know, uh, command the heater, um, uh, command the off speed, expanding when I need to. So I just tried to play my game and uh, not make it too big of a moment. And, uh, you know, I'm glad I continue with that throughout the season. And, uh, you know, it was great. It's a lot of fun. Hey, George, you know, obviously this offseason, first of all, massive congrats on a rookie year that you had last year. That last game, that playoff game was so much fun to watch. But going into the, oh, no problem at all, thank you. But going into this offseason, obviously you don't strike me as the kind of guy that, you know, has some success and sits back and, and thinks, you know, I've got this figured out. You, you, you go into every offseason with different goals in mind, right? So for you heading into the offseason, into 2023, obviously your roles changed, the perspectives changed a little bit. Talk us through your offseason. What was it that you were really focused, focusing on to take it to another level this year? Yeah. Um, well, after the year I had, just throwing 100 more innings than I did the year before. Um, I just had to really focus on recovering and uh, getting my body right for this year. So that was the main focus. Um, you know, like always, I'm, I'm always trying to improve my command. So doing drills for stuff like that. Um, working on a new change-up something a little more depth, maybe go swings and misses. Um, but, yeah, just kind of keep in, keep on commanding the baseball. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of been my MO, so I'm going to try and keep doing that as best as I can. When you say working on the, a new changeup, are you talking like a, a different grip or are you talking about – talk us through that. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a different grip. It's more like a split change. Okay. Uh, something I could throw with more intent, uh, a little more deceptive uh, – you know, coming to my hands like a heater. So just trying to fool the hitters a little bit more. Um, and it's something that's come kind of natural for me uh, as I've been working at it. So I'm excited to get in some games and see what it does. As far as the, the physical part of your game in the offseason, did you decide, hey, I need to put on weight, I want to get stronger, I want to work on this part of my body, get more flexible? Well, did you Any of that change, or did you stick with the same routine? Uh, I kind of stuck with the same routine. I just wanted to really focus on recovery, but once I get down to spring training, I usually put like 10 pounds on, so it's never really a, a huge issue of mine, but. Well, and you, and you talked about throwing a hundred more innings and you ha- how did you feel physically toward the end of the season? I mean, you look fantastic, but did you, did you feel the wear and tear on the arm or did you feel fresh? Uh, I felt good. Um, I felt great coming in the last couple of games of the year. Um, I thought I still had, you know, good velo. My body felt great. And, uh, yeah, just kind of taking it a little slower now this spring training, but 
I'm excited to get geared up again. Hey, George, you got the World Baseball Classic coming up. Some of your teammates are off doing that. Is that something – two questions to this. Number one, will you ever approach this offseason about – Potentially pitching in that, being you know representing Team USA. I don't know if you have another passport sitting around somewhere for for another team, <laughs> but I'm assuming it's Team USA. And is that something that in the future you you would want to go and and be a part of? Yeah, totally. Um, I wasn't approached uh, this year about it, but definitely in the future I would like to do something like that. I think it's really special, um, you know, playing for your country and um, also with a bunch of great guys, good good veterans to play with and learn from. So I think it'd be a great experience. Hey, George, what was the, the postseason experience like for you? I mean, you're, you're a young guy that hasn't been here in Seattle, obviously, so I'm sure you've heard about the playoff drought, but you didn't live through it. You weren't, I don't know if you carried the weight of the expectations the city had, but to have a, have a team that hadn't been there in two decades and you're part of a team that got it over the hump and to be in that postseason, did you... Did you feel it just being, whether you were on the hill or sitting there in the dugout, did you feel just how huge it was for the city? Yeah, totally. I mean, just the fans coming together uh, in the last couple weeks of the season, it was really cool to see. Um, and, yeah, we, we set a really good good team, our clubhouse. Um, you know, we were all we were always on the same page trying to get each other better. So um, it was just a season I'll never forget, and uh, we enjoyed a lot of it. So, George, there's nothing better, man, than coming in that first day of spring training and seeing your buddies again. Who, who, who are you guys on the team that you're most excited to see? You haven't spoke to for a while, or haven't seen for a while? Yeah, um, and all the starters. You know, I feel like we all kind of got something new working this year, uh, which is exciting to see. Um, you know, guys like Julio, Kalnick, the young, young guys like myself. Good to see them back in the clubhouse and you know grinding. So I'm excited to see what they can do this year and um, and some new guys like Colton, Tommy, Stella, um, and Pollock. That should be great for our team. So super excited. So you just had a birthday uh, a few days ago. What'd you do? Did you do anything? Did you go out with friends, family? What? How'd you celebrate? Yeah, um, went in the city, New York City, uh, had a nice dinner. Hung out with some friends and uh, lots of family, so it was great. Are, they, are these the same buddies we saw on your debut here in Seattle, or what? <laughs> yeah, uh, same buddies, same buddies. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. You, you got to keep the ones you know and trust that were there in the beginning. Before you were George Kirby, superstar right. of the Seattle Mariners, you got to keep those guys around, man. Hey, what? So, as, as far as the as far as the off season goes, what did, did you? Are you a guy that you know takes a week or two off and then you get back to work, or did you did you travel anywhere? What'd you do as far as the off season? Yeah, uh, I got home and I, I needed a break, so um, I didn't work out or lift for you know a couple of weeks. But I got uh, workouts going again like late October. Started going again about uh, beginning of December, so I took it a little slower than usual, but uh, it was well needed rest and. Uh, no, no, no traveling anywhere. You didn't take a vacation anywhere, though. Um, we actually did a trip to Jackson Hole in Wyoming. Uh, we did like a mental nice. skills trip with uh, a lot of the teammates, so that was really fun. Just a lot of cold water, some conversation, stuff like that. So, not a mental skills trip. So no skiing, right? You're not, you're not on the skis or the snowboard. So hold on. So was this a this is a Mariners at uh, you know team building? thing you, you guys did at Jackson Hall? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, we went with our mental skills coach, John Bonero, and like seven, eight other guys. I uh, got a place for there for a week. Uh, we were journaling, going cold tubs, uh, focused on our breathing. Uh, so it was a lot of a lot of good skills to learn and uh, stuff that I, I like to do a lot that helps me on the mound. So. How do you how do you like doing the cold tub thing? <laughs> you know, it, it's scary to get in, but you always feel amazing <laughs> after. So. How long do you stay in? Uh, usually like a, a minute in the morning, then if I'm doing a recovery, uh, like three to five minutes. George, this isn't like code for like doing a four-day isolation retreat, right, when you're trying to make big decisions about your career, I hope. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers darkness <laughs> retreat. <Yeah. laughs> no, this is, a, this is a cold tub retreat. Yeah. They go out there and just pack a tub with ice and see how long they can bear it. Yeah, that's – so, yeah, so yeah, like that. three minutes is the, is about the max? Uh, yeah, three to five minutes. Yeah. I don't want to stand for too much longer, but – Hey, as far as this season goes, George, is there is there anybody that you look forward to facing that maybe you didn't get a chance to last year, an individual or so? Um, no one in mind comes to mind, but um, you know, I love getting you know Trout, Otani, those guys out. Um, so I'm really looking forward to, to going battle with those guys. Hey, George, I want to ask you about the uh, the pitch clock. Is this something you and your teammates, you mentioned getting back around the, the other starting pitchers. Is this something you guys talk about? Do you feel like it's going to affect you? You seem to have pretty good tempo, but when looking at this or, or just kind of the, 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 the talk around some of your teammates, is this going to be a, a factor? Is, is it something that you like, you don't like it? It's going to be a big adjustment? What's your opinion on it? Uh, I kind of got a little taste of it in the minor leagues. Um, it's, it, honestly, I think it might be more of an issue for the batters. Um, you, know, you kind of got to cut down your routine a little bit, but, uh, for the most part, um, it hasn't been much of an issue for our guys here. I think we're getting uh, the hang of it pretty good. Which of the rules do you think will be the biggest deal? Is it, is it the no more shift? Is it the bigger bases or the, the limited pickoff attempts? What do you, what do you think for fans at home, we're going to notice the biggest difference? I think there's, you know, guys are going to try and time up, uh, you know, after that second disengagement, guys are probably going to try and time up, uh, try and steal on that third time because you don't get him he's in the box. So that might be more, you see more of that, it's more running. Well, George, it, it was an awesome year. It was so much fun to watch you out there, man. We are excited about this year and we wish you nothing but the best. We, we appreciate you taking time with us as always. Yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate it. There you go, George Kirby of your Seattle Mariners. If you missed any of that conversation with George or anything from the show, make sure you head to the podcast page after the show, seattlesports.com. Click the podcast tab and click on our picture. It'll be right there. And what we learned is that it's very windy out there. It's very windy in Arizona. <laughs> but but George, George kind of talks the way he pitches. He seems sort yeah. of just unaffected, like, hey, what's up? Like, he just, he never, even if things were bad, which they rarely were, he had the same demeanor. I, and I knew we were going to get a chance to talk to him, and I, I, it's, it's like I kind of forgot how good he was in that playoff game here yeah. at home. And you, and you mentioned that you made a point before we spoke to George's. Uh, you've never felt so comfortable with a first-year player yeah. taking the mound in elimination game. Yeah. <laughs> he was just like – So much confidence yeah, in him. Just like, unreal. oh, thank goodness. There's a relief to him being there. Yeah. How often do you feel like that with a rookie? I know. He had the same blood pressure, same heart rate as what he did talking to us right now on day three of spring training. Goodness gracious. Man, he is – I just – I love his composure. His command is ridiculous. Yeah. 
He he started 25 games. He had 22 total walks all year. And it's those two things. You mentioned the composure and how he takes on those kind of situations and his demeanor, those things, and then the commands. That's that. And I don't mean to sound old school. I know pitching is completely different, but you have that foundation. Man, you can do anything. Obviously, yeah. he's got stuff and everything else, but it's not like you have a, a young player with just electric stuff. You're like, hmm, okay, what if he starts getting two o, two one, three one counts all day? He's going to yeah. get hit. Or what happens when he's if he doesn't have that composure or that demeanor? What happens he gets if he gets too high, too low here emotionally? That's not him, and that's just a great recipe or a great foundation. Excuse me, to have to have to be a front end starting pitcher. It's well, a completely different lens he's looking through this spring training than last year. That is for sure, though. What were you like? Were you were you a guy, if, if things were great, you were hyped up, and if things were bad, you yeah, were Yeah, that was me. Beads of sweat rolling down? Or? Yeah, that was me. And it's interesting. It's kind of that balance, right? So I had, you know, my whole career, there was always coaches saying, hey, you have to be more even keel. I just couldn't do it. I just, I enjoyed being high, you know? And, and I, I it was like a... You know, it was risk rewards, so to speak. And I had guys I looked up to, mentors who were just like, "No, no, just be yourself. Right. If, if you're just, if you get that higher emotionally, do it. If that's what gets you in a good place to have success, but you better be able to deal with some of the 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 you know the values that come with it. And that's something I struggled with. I really did. But I think, but when you have a guy, first of all, George Kirby, and you look at that demeanor, let's say he's 10 years in the big leagues. The mm-hmm. biggest mistake you can make for a young player is to say, oh, I see how George Kirby acts. That's how you should act because everyone's different. Everyone responds different. Yeah. It's the same thing with Jared Kelnick. Oh, he needs to chill out a little bit. Well, no, actually, he's probably at his best and showing his best performance when he is himself. And if that's riding that roller coaster, that's yeah. the way it goes. So when you had traffic on the base paths and you're in a 3-1 count with a guy, would you – <laughs> Would you be out there looking around like you were oh, noticeably yeah. rattled? Oh yeah, I mean, and and I also had some guys because it was always hey, you can't get nervous, can't get nervous, and I was like, oh man, I'm really nervous. I, you know, <laughs> as was, soon as they say that, I'm nervous. Yeah, but then I had players who I looked up to and and guys who helped me out who were you know saying to me, hey dude, I get really nervous. Oh, he gets nervous. Great. Yeah, that, I feel so much better now. Yeah, because that's normal. You know what I mean? So I think that you know, George. Uh, again, I am personality wise, the five starting pitchers you're going to have, they're all going to be completely different makeups. And I think that, um, you know, Pete Woodworth does such a great job identifying that and having that relationship. But look, he's a guy that rolls out. He might go nine shutout in New York or something. And, yeah, just start playing games on the iPad on the bus ride home like it's nothing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> is is he a guy you look at and feel like he could be a top of the rotation 100%, guy? 100% because of those things we talked about. And again, yeah. not knocking. I love the guys who are, who are the high energy or the really emotional, but the the command aspect, that's his biggest weapon. So good. Yeah, it's so good. Now, Fewer like, walks than games started. Insane. <laughs> 22 walks age. to 25 starts. Yeah, and, and again, it's it's <sighs> – it's as boring as it sounds. He even said, too, he goes, oh, I worked on my command. I did different things that helped my command. I'm like, well, what are they? Can you teach me? Them? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah, I needed that. But when you have that kind of foundation, that demeanor, and, and you've already seen him year one do what he did in that playoff game, how good he was, I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. What What is it? I mean, in in, in – Establishing that kind of command, is that just the ability to repeat that delivery every time yeah. perfectly, like your mechanics are that solid? Or, you well, know, there, because a, Brash was the guy who's got the filthy pitch. We talked about his nasty stuff, but he was also the guy who got the nod to start the season. Mm-hmm. And I've always talked about he had two games, you know, two starts in a row where he, he walked a combined 10 
hitters. Yeah. His command was gone. He didn't have it. So what? Where is that? Is that just mechanically he's he's not consistent, or what? What leads to the great command versus the lack of it? Well, I think when you talk about Matt Brash, I think mentally it's a little bit more of that. Now, again, when you when you're comparing George Kirby and Matt Brash, of course, physically. George Kirby's a little bit more repeatable. You can tell there's certain aspects of the way Matt Brash throws a baseball, which makes him really filthy. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the best pitchers that you'll see from a pitch behavioral metric standpoint. But on the flip side of that, you are going to get some inconsistency with George Kirby. It's the way he, you know, the way he repeats, like you said, uh, allows him to have better command. But I think the overall thing, especially talking about George Kirby, it's one thing to throw strikes. It's another thing to have quote unquote command. When you can command, when you can say, all right, it's 2 0, mm-hmm. and I'm going to throw this secondary pitch. I'm not just going to throw it over the plate because I have to get back in the count. I'm confident enough to split that plate in half. I'm going to go that change up or whatever. I'm just using an example on the inner part of the plate. And I trust the fact that I can, I can, my margin for error is so much smaller. And I can trust that I'm going to go and do that as opposed to just, oh man, I have to get back in the count here. Otherwise, I'm going to be 3 0 or whatever, 3 1 or whatever it may be. That's the difference. And I think with George Kirby, when you watched, it wasn't a situation where he may slip behind in the count and then all of a sudden it was a pitch, uh, you know, it's somewhat in the middle of the play. It was astounding at his age to watch and from a, a former pitcher to watch, all right, he gets in the count and they all do it, right? It doesn't matter mm-hmm. how good your command is. You get in a one-one count or a two-one count, and 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 we don't pay enough attention to counts because it makes such a difference uh, when you when you when with performance when you look at guy going seven shutout as opposed to a guy bowing out in the you know fourth inning. Yeah, but man, he just never gave in because he he had he was confident enough and trusted the fact that I can I am so pinpoint right now my margin for error is smaller and I can trust that that I can throw this fastball on the black and I can. Yeah, you can be strike one. I'm back in the count, and then boom. And for the hitter standpoint, you do that at bat number one. Then you go back into at bat number two. You know that a two zero count. You can't just look at fastball middle. You can't right. against a guy like that because he can throw you know more than one pitch over the plate in a good spot for a strike. And so you have to protect more. And that that's what makes it so tough against guys who can command a pitch as opposed to just getting back in counts and throwing strikes. I'm wondering how much different the hitter's approach will be to him this season because he's not a secret now. Now no. you got 25 games, 25 starts out there that you can look at as a, as an opposing team and go, "All right, here's what he does in this situation." Here, you know what I mean? You can he's not a he's not sneaking up on anybody. No. Whereas last year, he's a rookie. People haven't faced him. They haven't seen him. So maybe he's got a bit of an advantage. The chess game starts now. They're going to make whatever their adjustments are to him. It's going to be interesting to see how he combats that. Right. It's a great point because all of a sudden, the uh, whenever you have success, you're under a magnifying glass. Matt Brash even. Yeah. He had success right out of the gates when it, when it comes to swing and miss. That first game, all of a sudden, it's like, man, who's this guy? Right. Fifth starter against the White Sox, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Then that book just gets thicker. And all of a sudden, as the games go on, people understand the, sc- the scattering report says, okay, can he command this pitch twice in an at-bat? Well, he can't. You know what? I'm a big league hitter. I'm going to sit back and let him make a mistake. So I think with George Kirby, in, in, in regards to that, we saw that with Logan Gilbert, where all of a sudden guys had seen him before, and, they, and he started to struggle. His command went down because guys just were laying off certain pitches or they could see pitches out of his hands, especially you go back two years ago when Pete Woodworth and him had to um, completely rebuild middle of the, the season – 
his slider and he's remember he's starting throwing that slider was really yeah. flat and the velocity went up because you know Woody was like look it's coming out of that different tunnel and mm-hmm. because that's due to the scouting reports due to the right. video you're gonna see that with George Kirby but the, I think the difference is with him when you talk about repeating those mechanics and the way he can command not just two but three pitches not throwing him over the plate for strikes I'm talking about really commanding him splitting the plate in half it's different I think. All right. Good stuff from George Kirby, who we just heard from. And, and we brought up, uh, Ryan brought up the World Baseball Classic to him. Going to get into some of the aspects of that, what's good about it, what's maybe not so good about it as it pertains to players on the team we're all rooting for. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. Ryan Roland Smith in for Dave Wyman. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. A reminder, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, mean text, so you still have some time to get creative, 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. People trying to get all Australian with you, some of those yeah. texts. You're going to have to explain what some of those meant, because I couldn't tell if they were mean or funny or not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they were making reference yeah. to. Very, very Australian terms in there, but what is that shirt you're wearing? What does that say? Crocky. <laughs> Look at you just leaning into it. <laughs> oh, yeah. For sure. Or do you remember Crikey. last time I was here, it was around Christmas time, I think. Um, we, I, I was working with you, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And we had the button. Yeah, the, you had your button that would throw it. Aussie saying. So <laughs> I lost that. But the other day, I, I was I woke up very early in the morning. I just heard, no worries, mate. Crikey. Crikey. <laughs> and it was my son with it in the room at like 5 a.m. I was like, oh, there it is. You found it. Yeah, you found, you it. found it. Yeah, Dave, right. Dave was jealous. He's like, wait, Ryan brought props? I'm like, yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All kinds of fun and games. So he's good. younger, better looking, and he gets props? That's not fair. So, yeah, that's uh, crikey. That's a, okay. You got the shirt. That's yeah. perfect. Who got you that? The kids. I, 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 by the way, I just turned 40 um, January 26th on Australia Day, by the way. That's my birthday on Australia Day. It's kind of like the 4th of July for oh, okay. Independence Day. But, uh, yeah, the kids hooked me up. Look at this. Crikey. Love it. <laughs> Wear it everywhere. That's <laughs> so good. All right. Uh, well, we just talked to George Kirby, and it was interesting. You asked him if he had been approached about the World Baseball Classic. He said he had not. Um, this is one that, you know, you know, Matt Brash is going to be out there pitching. He, I mean, he made a choice as to whether he wanted to compete for a spot in the rotation versus being in the bullpen, and it hinged on whether he was going to go to the World Baseball Classic or not. We interviewed Jerry Depoto, and that was sort of the deal. Like, hey, man, if you want to compete for a spot in this rotation, you can't do that. Yeah. And he was like, I want to go pitch for my country, so I'll just I'll go ahead and come out of the bullpen. That was... That was a surprising choice. I mean, I, I guess props to him. It's that important to him, and he's he's willing to say, I'm I'm fine with coming out of the bullpen as long as I can go pitch for my country here. I kind of tell, it, honestly, look, I've had I've been in situations where I hadn't haven't been able to to play for Australia in the World Baseball Classic, and other times where I really wanted to play for Australia. Um, it's interesting. It's the player's choice whether they can do it. You know, the, mm-hmm. the MLB and the union kind of came up and said, look. The teams can't decide. The player has to decide. I was in a situation in 2009. I wanted to make the rotation. I really wanted to be a starting pitcher. I had a good year the year before. And we had a whole new coaching staff. And I walked in the office on day one. They said, hey, listen, you, you know, lack of better term, you are going to make the decision that you're going to stay here to compete for a rotation spot. I was like, oh, I see. So then I – you know, said there, I, I understood that. In other words, if you want to be a starting pitcher, you've got to be here the whole camp. Right. So I had to turn down the chance to play for Australia. Now, 
for Matt Brash, I think I still feel like he's better suited for the bullpen, mm-hmm. right, on the short term and even the long term. I think he subconsciously probably feels that that way too. Otherwise, you're not giving up a chance to be a starting pitcher if you really want to start in the big leagues, right? I get the chance to go play pitch for Canada. He's just started his career. There's another one in four years. He can do it later on. Right. You're not giving up that chance. I feel like if he's on the fence about being a starting pitcher, you know what? I'll go pitch for Team Canada. Yeah. It, it is an interesting choice, and maybe he looked at it like, well, I don't know if I'm cracking that rotation or not. Exactly. Right. You know, That's what I was getting at. Exactly. Yeah, because, I mean, if we're just talking from a financial aspect, it's not comparable being no. a bullpen arm compared to a starter no. in a rotation. So your financial future is much brighter as a starter, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's an interesting decision that he made there. And John Morosi was on with us talking about Brash and just feeling like he can be – obviously he feels like he can be an elite reliever, but he feels like the WBC should help his confidence. Now he knows exactly what he is. He is a hard-throwing, late-inning, dominant, big-time arm to pair up with Munoz at the end of the game. There's a reason why they felt comfortable moving on from Swanson. I think by the end of the year, his command was better. And and he is someone that his, his pitch grades are so high and so elite that if he's in the zone even a little bit, he's going to be really effective. He is arriving as as the main the main man with the maple leaf on his jersey, and and there's a certain bravado that goes along with that. I, I love that about him. So I think he'll ride back into camp with a ton of confidence, and I think he knows now definitively how good he can be. Now, and I don't I don't. Do you disagree with any of that? No, I, mean, I agree. I agree. Look, the the World Baseball Classic and the pool he is in. By the way, let's not forget he's in Pool C, which is Team USA. Mexico is no joke. They've got a really good team. Colombia. Your confidence goes through the roof, and not only that, they're meaningful games. Which, again, they can be. We've talked about the injury risk and stuff like that. But when you get that that jump start with meaningful games, and I've seen this with players. And they're around different teammates, maybe mm-hmm. one of his Canadian buddies who, you know, veteran player or whoever, who gives him some little, you know, little whatever uh, jolt of inspiration or whatever it may be. Right. And it's, it sounds crazy. You can come back into camp and you sort of, you know, you refresh a little bit and you're, you're ready just to take on April because it's important for him. It's We talked about this in the last segment with Matt Brash. Mm-hmm. Physically, he's got all the tools as a pitcher. We know that, right? Filthy stuff. It's what from the neck up from him, for him. Right. What's it all going to be about? So th- I think this is for him. This is a great platform. Now, just so, to be on. something that you you and I talked about off air is is maybe the intensity that goes along with pitching for your country, and it's not a spring training game. No. There's a different urgency. There's obviously different stakes. Mm-hmm. What's on the line? It, did, are you fearful of? A guy pushing it too early, that early in the season, where these games mean the world, and hey, man, it's all about country pride here, and yeah. and I'm throwing harder than I would, or I'm pushing myself more than I would, obviously in spring training, and maybe by the time they come back, maybe maybe they're feeling a little fatigued, or you open up the chance for injury in a in a way you you otherwise wouldn't in spring training. Well, the one thing the world I love international baseball, I love it. Obviously, I'm a foreigner. I come from you know a, a place where baseball is nothing, so you get these kind of Stages where you get to play against the the best in the world are absolutely around different, from different countries. I love it. Uh, matter of fact, I'm doing I'm going to be the color analyst at Pool A, so I can't wait. That was like a dream gig for me. To, and that's going to be where? Where are you? In, gonna... I'm in Taiwan, so I'm doing Chinese Taipei, Netherlands, Cuba, Italy, uh, and Panama. So okay. I'm excited for that. But 
with saying that, for starting pitchers, 100%. This is, there's really no other time during the calendar year that you can put the World Baseball Classic on where you're going to get a Mike Trout to play. You're going to get you know, all these players that you see who have signed up, Clayton Kershaw even, or whoever it may be. There's really no other time to do it except for March. And it seems like a weird time because it's in a preseason, you know, a, a preseason time uh, in spring training. Starting pitches, it, it, it worries me a little bit. Luis Castillo, when he pulled out of it, I was like, yes, yeah, <laughs> I really was, man, because he's just signed a long term deal. He's going to be instrumental with this team, its success, and everything else. I was so happy when he when he backed out of it. But when you're a, a relief pitcher, the I'm, I'm looking at this as I'm talking. It's March eighth. It kicks off March eighth. So, excuse me, Phoenix is March 11th. So you're kind of at that point where you're starting to ramp it up anyway in mm-hmm. spring training games. It is definitely not the same. The adrenaline is different. Packed house, big league stadiums. It's not on the, you know, it's not on, you know, getting extra work on field four. It's not a Peoria sports complex. Right. Atmosphere is completely different. But I think for relievers, there's a little bit more leeway. And I think too, you know, with, with, with the way it's kind of set out, they're not going to push him where Matt Brash is literally pitching five straight days. Right. Because you play, you play five games in five days, essentially, in that first pool. If you get in there, if you get go on, you, you play a few more games. But I still don't think that there's going to be – it's not going to be where Tim Cannon's like, yep, he's pitching every day. You yeah. know, there's still there's still some um, restrictions there as well. But so you, it's, It feels like it's more of a benefit to position players to yeah. go out there and play at that high intensity. They could get hurt too, but – the likelihood is is more of a pitcher. Who is it? Drew Smiley, the guy that that mm-hmm. uh, Mariners signed, who didn't throw a pitch here and got hurt in the World Baseball right. Classic. And yeah, yeah. I, I, but just because you are simply not ready to ready to go, you you go in around March. Was this March eleventh? You're probably at yeah three innings, really three to four innings, it, and they're not intense either. They're yeah. you're at sixty seventy percent. Yeah. So all of a sudden you you you. Know, you, you Put Team USA across your jersey, or you know, Team Australia, or whatever it may be, and, and things change. That's yeah. just what happens, and the place is packed, and you got. But there is so much benefit to this too. I think too for guys like who are young, who aren't at the the highest highest level. If you have players in your system that they can go off with a country like Australia, or or you know some of these you know not well known Team USA, whatever. I think it's really valuable for them, 100%, to get those kind of reps and that bats and and to, to really, you know, to, to, to play on that stage. And then when you're talking about guys like Julio Rodriguez, you know what? Be around some of your peers, yeah. the guys from your country who you look up to. Maybe you'll, you'll learn something or some sort of behavior when you sit in the dugout. Maybe you'll have that conversation. I've heard that from, you know, Jeremy Guthrie talked about that pitcher with the Royals. He went off to play for Team USA in the first ever World Baseball Classic. He goes, it changed my career because he was around certain guys and hitters who mm-hmm. he had faced. Yeah. And he goes, man, I learned a lot about myself in literally a week. <laughs> and it was beneficial in that regard. So, again, I can't wait. I love international baseball. Hopefully they get the World Baseball Classic to the same level as like a World Cup. They're yeah. trending that way because you've got the best players playing for their countries. Um, yeah, it's going to be a blast. And you'll be there. I will be covering Pool A. There you go. All right. Coming up, hey, one athlete has an opinion on the minimum you should be spending for a haircut. We're going to hear that important piece of life advice when we sweep the dial. Coming up with Wyman and Bob. Ryan Roland-Smith in for Wyman. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. 
Scanning the airwaves for the most interesting and entertaining stories of the day. Sweeping the dial. Every afternoon at 445 with Wyman and Bob. John Tortorella has uh, gotten a reputation around the NHL. He's coached a number of places and uh, a little surly. He's the Flyers head coach right now. And uh, the Kraken, well, they kind of dominated the Flyers last night. So he didn't want to talk about his team, even though uh, he's the head coach, and that's usually what you do after a game. I guess after several of them, you said you still don't mind the effort. Um, I guess, how is this changing? I'm I'm not going to give you any. Don't you get it? There's no sense in me giving you information. I am not going to talk about my hockey team after a performance like this. It doesn't do me any good. It doesn't do the team any good. Those are the people I'm most concerned about. That seems uh, an awfully immature way to handle yeah. it. Oh yeah, nobody's nobody's seeking insight into what you know. You're speaking generalities, but that's your job, man. Yeah, and that's obviously yeah. People are asking questions because that's their job and everything yeah. else. And you're basically writing on the wall is like, listen, I don't want to throw my team under the bus here. And yeah, it's weird, man, because especially in a sport like hockey. And you know, it, it, it's a, you have to have that camaraderie, you have to have that relationship, and that that feel for your team. Yeah. yeah, you guys are all in it together. That's the way it goes. So way to ruffle some feathers. Is that, is that kind of his typical demeanor? Oh, he is. Uh, he's not friendly. He's curmudgeonly. He'd fit in well with some of the complaints we have in this show. We we hit our more old man complaining segments. <laughs> yeah. That. Well, he was famously because he was the head coach for the Rangers, and they became very good. And he just kind of wore out his welcome there. And just every place he goes can build up a team. And then it's almost like Jim Harbaugh. And then mm-hmm. they get sick of it. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone who covers them, the team itself. He wears them out. Because, yeah, the uncompromising style. So he's a good coach, but... Uh, the Flyers are not great, and I guess there was some frustration after they lost 6-2 to the Kraken last night. Wow. Sweeping the dial. Robbie Ray was on with uh, Brock and Salk the other day, and we learned that he almost changed Cal Raleigh's nickname, but then realized the original is too important. I, I started calling him the savior of Seattle because <laughs> of that walk-off home run he got, that, that t- took us to... Uh, took us to playoffs, but you know, obviously his nickname's Big Dumper. Everybody knows that. Of course. Uh, so, you know, that's uh, the the two things that come to mind for sure. <laughs> the savior of Seattle. I'm guessing Cal probably would have preferred that one as opposed to Big Dumper. But yeah, but like, see, we used to have this, and I know what he's getting at here because when you do something really good, and mind you, this is back in the day when I played, but you did something good, and you're out there and you're talking about yourself to reporters the whole time. All of a sudden, you oh look, it's the savior of Seattle. Look yeah. at this guy. Wow, <laughs> here he is, gracing us with his presence. That's one of those things making probably making him feel uncomfortable. I like it. The good Big stuff. Dumper, though, that's such a class. I like that they they. Uh, at one point during the season, somebody zoomed in on the lineup card that Service had pinned to the wall, and it, it said like JP Julio, blah blah blah. And it just said Dumper. <laughs> yeah, he had that written on the lineup card, which I thought was awesome. And then he, you know, obviously in the celebration in front of the fans that night, he's out there. Where's Big Dumper? And it's too late. It's stuck. Yeah, it's, it's stuck. stuck. It's it's never gone away. Yeah. I was thinking stuck, big dumper, toilet. There's a joke in there somewhere, but we'll go on to the next one. Dave's not here. No no poop jokes today. Sweeping the dial. All right, this thing applies to both of you, so we just had to play it because, uh, Bob, you really are kind of not obsessed, but you're really into this guy's hair, Jalen Rose. Yeah. And, Ryan, you are really into not spending a lot of money. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, it fits. It relates. That's okay. a nice way of saying so cheap. So Jalen yeah. Rose was talking about spending money, and he dropped the number for the minimum 
that you should be spending on a haircut. So first off, the minimum you're supposed to be spending for a quality barber is $100. I'm here to defend the sanctuary that is called barbers and beauticians. You know, so many guys and people out there think y'all going to show up and get a fly haircut and y'all going to spend $35. Y'all going to go to the end of the line. Y'all going to hit up y'all barber. They're going to send you to the voicemail. $100 minimum. Now, he's he's got a very precise haircut. If you've seen him on TV, First of all, his hairline is really low. It looks like it's like yeah. two inches from his eyebrows. And it's a perfect straight line. Like, it's like a box. Right. Like, it is. You can tell there's effort put into oh, his, yeah. his hairline because it is so low. It, 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 it's almost like he's got very little face showing and it's all. Yeah, you know, I'm usually around. I'm just thinking back. I'm at Frankie's Barber. Big shout out to them in Edmonds. It's around forty five dollars, and, and I give them a, usually I give them a two dollar tip. I splurge on the tip. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I do go big on the tip. I will say that. But hey, listen to this. Usually a two dollar. Before I move back to Seattle, you guys are gonna like be like, what the what life are you living? <laughs> there was a place. So my wife Amanda's friend used to work at this this big famous salon in Beverly Hills called Umberto's. Okay. Now when you roll in there and you're just getting a regular my haircut, it's going to cost you 300 bucks. Like minimum, right? Goodness. But she would she would she would hook it up. You know, yeah. it was way, way cheaper. But it was around a hundred bucks. And, and Amanda's like, "Hey, this is a good deal." I'm like, hundred bucks. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, fifty percent of the time, I didn't want to you know critique because like she's working at this really nice place, and I had no business. But you should have seen the clientele in there. I had no business being in there whatsoever. But uh, I, I mean, I had to dress nice to go in there. <laughs> I got to get but, dressed up to get I was like, haircut. man, how much am I paying for this? Like, she barely cut my hair. Let's go. <laughs> 45 bucks, Frankie's Edmonds. Thank you. Done. $2, two dollar tip. $2 tip. Say, you're so you welcome. Di- you disagree because you're, you're a TV guy. You guys are both on TV. Jalen Rose and you. You're both. Yeah, but this TV is easy. People. Like, you know, it's. it's I'm, look, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying it's. <laughs> look, it, it, I get it. If you go crazy with your hair, he's got some 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 good haircuts. I guess. who knows? I don't know. Yeah, his, I'm, his, I'm 45 bucks. He his looks like there's some effort put oh, into yeah. it because yeah, he's and then he wears those giant glasses, right. those giant old man <laughs> glasses that is like old man Hollywood. I don't know what. Actually, he looks like you know the Lego hair, you know, little Lego man. Like yeah. that. <laughs> it looks like the but, Lego. But hair. the hairline very straight, yeah, right? Very the way the cut is there. So I could see that taking some extra time. But yeah, between the the haircut and those those giant goggles he's wearing, goodness. Oh yeah, that's a look. It's a look. That's a look. I like that. <laughs> a two dollar tip. Now you're going to be at the end of the line. You're going to be like what Jaron Rose said. You're going to try to go in there. He splurges. Lights are off. Usually it's a buck. Flipped around. Usually nah, it's a buck. I got two for you today. I'm going to double it. Yeah. <laughs> you got some loose quarters. You can give them. Oh, oh yeah. goodness. All right. There you go. Uh, <laughs> are, are there position battles on this on this Mariner team? We'll get it. We'll get into where some of those the obvious ones and maybe some that we're not talking about. That is coming up next with Wyman and Bob. Ryan Roland Smith in. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710.